conclusion of the series Olam. And I want to talk today about why it's important. Everybody say, why Olam is important, is important to me. So as we do this and as we jump into this, what I want to use today to do is kind of rehearse some of what we've discussed. And then at the end, I'm going to give opportunity for you to, we'll have a roaming microphone. I'm going to give opportunity for you to ask some questions and I will answer those questions. If there's any uncertainty about anything, um, I want to help you to understand because I believe it is important for us to grasp what Olam means, because if we can grasp that, we see ourselves from a very different perspective. And I can tell you, I want to see myself from the perspective that God sees me. I hope you want to see yourself from the perspective that He sees you. Not from what, when I look in the mirror, if I look in the mirror every day and this is what I'm looking at, I mean, I, I, can, I can get very upset about what I see. But when I am looking and I get Yahweh's perspective about me, I can celebrate it because his words are true and he's always about life and living. So let's talk about a little bit what we've learned and if you want to follow along, the easiest way to do that is if you will open up the app, the Rock of Central Florida app or download it if you don't have it and then you click on at the very, on the home page when it comes up at the top it will say new and the message for today is there with all the notes and scriptures that I'll be reading. It is all there with the exception of I'm going to be inserting a scripture here in a moment that isn't there. Uh, but it is all there, even what we've learned. And there's an opportunity for you to take notes using the app, and then you can email those back to you. I would encourage you to use that app every Sunday as we gather. But let's talk about first what we've learned about Olam. So we've been learning about Olam now for a few weeks. I think maybe three or four weeks we've been moving through this. And, and what Olam means in the Hebrew, it means everlasting. It's everlasting. That word olam means everlasting to everlasting. Or, better said, better understood, is everything before and everything after. There's a reason that I say it that way. Because in our mind, our mind has been trained to, when we hear the word everlasting, our mind has been trained to see everything after now. Everlasting means everything from this point forward. That's how our mind thinks. But everlasting isn't about from now forward. Everlasting is everything behind us and everything in front of us. It is infinity behind and infinity before. Everybody say infinity behind, infinity behind. and infinity before. So it's everything that's before and everything that's after. Because God does not reference time like you and me. The way He sees time is not the same way that you and I see time. We see pieces. We measure everything in pieces. We measure it in minutes. We measure it in hours. We measure it in days and months and years and decades and centuries and millennia. We measure everything in those time references, those time points. That's how we look at it. But to the Father, He does not do it. In fact, Scripture is really clear. He says, what's, what's a day to you is a thousand years to me. I mean, what's a day to me is a thousand years to you. And, it's, it's because, and, and He wasn't saying, He wasn't putting a line on it. He was simply saying, the way you measure things, I don't. Right. Yeah, right. I would say that too. Thank, somebody said, thank you, Jesus. I would say that too. I'm glad He doesn't measure it that way. Because that means that if it's a, a, a day to Him, He can get a lot done in a day. Look what he did in seven. 
Six, you're right. Look what he did in six days. So it's important that we understand that he does not reference time like we do. We see the pieces he sees in a whole. For example, I want to give you an example. This is in the app. I wrote it for you today. In Scripture, Yahweh would proclaim a blessing or curse on all future generations based on a current event. So how does that apply? It applies this way. If something happened, good or bad, especially, again, I referred to King David this morning. I'll refer to some of his sons. I mean, all through the First Testament, you just see time and time again, there were times that he would bless and he would say from everlasting to everlasting, this is going to happen, this is the way it's going to be. But he would say that because from the beginning of time, he had an intention for people. He had an intention. Interestingly enough, even in the middle of his intention, man, I can't, can't dive into this part deeper. I'm going to get stuck here. So maybe I shouldn't even say this. Let me not say this because I'm going to get stuck here and we're not going to be able to get to where I want to go. Let me just summarize it by saying this. When the Father sees time, when he speaks to a person, he declares something, we make choices. While in our world it affected time, a timeline, we may look at it and say, every generation after me is cursed, every generation after me is blessed because I made a good decision. In our mind, we see that as based on certain events. What the Father sees is, I, from the very beginning to the end, had a purpose for you, and I'm going to fulfill that purpose. Your decisions might disrupt what you consider a timeline, but there's always opportunity for you to come back into my space. I'm not even going to say into his time. I'm going to say into his space. We get out of our time, and we get into his space. So, to Yahweh, everything is generation to generation. From the day that uh, Adam was, he created Adam, from the moment he created Adam, everything in the mind of God was all about generational, being generational. It was, this is the way it's going to be. When I breathe life into you, when I breathe life into your son, when I breathe life into your daughter, when I form them, I'm going to put in them everything that's been in you. Everything that was before you, they're not going to come up short. All of time, all of my space is going to be in them. Just like when he breathed life into you, all of God's space was breathed into you. I'm using space loosely in order to help you understand that there's no limit to that. It's forever before and it's forever after. All of time is God's present. It's this moment. Right now, all of time is in his present. Tomorrow is in his present. A hundred years from now is in his right now. And if I can wrap my mind around that, this will all make sense a little, shortly. He just does not see past and future because he is, as I said earlier, he said, I am that I am. I am. I am. And everything that I am, you got to get what I'm telling you right now. He said, everything that I am, I sowed into you when I breathed into you. So putting it very plainly, he's saying, if you want to see things like I do, think like me. Stop thinking like Adam who ate the fruit. And think like Adam before he ate the fruit. Who found it fine and dandy to walk with the Lord. Thought it no odd thing to have conversations with the Father. So is it really important for us... To understand Olam, is it really important for us? And we're going to dive into some things in a minute. I'm going to say this, yes, yes, and yes. Why? Because understanding Olam helps us to understand ourselves and our 
purpose. To see ourselves as God sees us, why is that important? Because there's a lot of people in this room right now, watching online right now, you've given up on things because you think, as I've said before, this is, I'm going to rehearse everything today and come back around to a point. But you think that things have been forfeited, things have been lost, things have go- are gone, and that you don't have a chance to fulfill those things. In your mind, that might be true, but we need to change your mind. Because in the mind of God, who is Olam, if I can get the Olam concept, again, Hebrew, it's everlasting to everlasting. It is everything before, everything after. If I can get the mind of Christ, that means that everything before, everything after still is in the present. Are you getting that? I need you to get that. Everything that you've already counted out is still in the present for God. Everything you said, that time has come and gone. In the heart of God, in the mind of God, it's still in the present. See, a lot of times the reason we don't see it in the present is because what we count out, we think of again as being on a timeline. But for the Father, it's in His space. Doesn't matter when it happened to Him. It only matters to you and me. Doesn't matter when it happened to Him. In Him. We've got to lay hold of this concept this morning. So I want to begin this morning by reading, I didn't, this is not in your app, but we're going to turn to John chapter 7. I want to read a few verses here, and I want to share with you something about time that is really, really, really super cool. Let's talk about what, uh, in fact, I read this this morning. That's why I inserted it so late. Uh, it was the Bible reading this morning. If you do not follow along in our Bible reading app, we read the Bible through in a year. I encourage you to do that. Join us on the Rock of Central Florida app and, and read along with us every day. This was in this morning's Bible reading, and everybody read that, I'm certain, so this is not going to be unusual uh, to you. John chapter 7, verse, beginning with verse 1, says, After this, Jesus went about in Galilee, and he would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. That was probably his wise choice. Now, the Jews' feet, now Paul should have learned something from that. Now, Steve, stay on course. Now, the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea. Let me back up and read that a little slower. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, then show yourself to the world. This is what his brothers are saying. For not even his brothers believed in him. And Jesus said to his brothers, My time has not yet come. But your time is always here. We're going to come back to that in a minute. I'm going to tell you what he's saying there. It's it's pretty crazy. He said, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it does hate me, because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I'm not going up to the feast. For my time, everybody say his time, had not yet fully come. His time had not yet fully come. Let's go back to verse 6. Let's read this again. Jesus said to his brothers, My time has not yet... Because his brothers did not believe. His own brothers did not believe. They're saying, yeah, listen, nobody that wants to be seen openly does these things in secret, so go do it openly. Show us all. Prove to all of us that you really are this Christ that you say you are. 
And Jesus says to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. What he was really saying, and I put it in brackets there, and if you're following along on the app, you can insert this here in that little touch on that little blank space and fill this in, fill in this statement. What he's saying is, again, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. And then in the brackets, he's really saying, you are operating in a different time than me. You are operating in a different time than me. He said, my time, my moment has not yet arrived. You are trying to push me into a space that isn't for this moment. In your mind, because everything's on a timeline, he's saying to his brothers, everything's on a timeline, you think I've got to get this done now or none of the prophetic word will be fulfilled. But he said the prophetic word is not determined based on your time. The prophetic is determined on my time, Yahweh's time. And his time is timeless. Is anybody getting that? He said, my time has not yet come, but yours is always here because you operate in a different time than me. That's why you're pushing me to do things. Listen, I'm telling you, that's why we do things sometimes as humans. We do things sometimes that force us into moments prematurely because we feel like we're running out of time. We do. You know, I've, I've met with people because of ministry and, and what have you. I've had people come to me, I, I, need, to, I need to preach. I need to, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm, this is going on and, and, and I just need to preach and, and I need to get started and I need to get on the road or I need to start a church or I need to do all this. And, and, and they're operating from their own timeline. But they're not, but Yahweh has not fully come in them yet. Somebody needs to hear what I'm telling you right now. So he says, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. You always think it's right, the right time for you. He said, what I need you to do is shift the way you think about time. Stop thinking that this is always your moment and begin to look at it as my moment. And what are you doing in that moment to glorify me? Don't think about bringing attention. Don't think about making it happen for yourself. And it isn't always even a selfish thing. It's just a thing. It's because in our, in our heads sometimes we cannot get past the concept, the idea, the thought. I need to wait on something. If it has presented itself, then this is the moment. And the Father might be saying, mm, based on your time. But if you're doing this thing with my time, you're operating in a different time. If you want to move into this time, if you want to move into this and do this now, you want me to go and show myself right now and do signs and wonders and miracles to prove if you want me to go show that right now it'll be out of time and the generations to come will not be changed in the way they will be if I wait until time is full until I'm in the right space <laughs> he said you go up to the feast I love that I love that I just think that's kind of sarcastic Jesus says to his brother, in verse 7, it says, The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it, that its works are evil, that it doesn't even know how to operate in itself. It doesn't know how to function and bring glory to the Father. The world does what the world does. It stumbles over its own two feet. It trips over the same mistakes day in and day out. 
And people that operate in that kind of a time zone, that kind of a time thing, they're, they're always tripping over the same thing, same rock. They knock it over on the side of the road, and somehow they find themselves walking on the side of the road they kicked the rock to and tripping over it again. He says, but the world doesn't hate you. It hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. Everything about it is evil. It's, it's, the world is always working. Everything in Adam, in the mind of Adam, is always working to bring glory to man. But he said everything about the Father is always working to bring glory to the Father. Man thinks because they get things done in a certain amount of time that they've succeeded well. Yahweh thinks it isn't about getting it done in your time. It's about getting it done in my time. And sometimes my time is endless. It might not even happen in your lifetime. That's why I think that's why it's beautiful that when he would give a prophetic word to the prophets, often the prophets would die and it would be centuries and and years and years, centuries before the prophetic word was fulfilled. And yet it was in their time. We still speak of the prophetic word of Isaiah. We still speak of the prophetic word of the prophets in the First Testament. Why do we still declare those prophetic words? Why do we still function and operate in those prophetic words? Because it's in Yahweh's time, not in man's time. Because if it were in man's time, those words would have died with Isaiah. They would have died with the prophets of the First Testament. But they did not die with the prophets of the First Testament. They're still alive today. Why are they alive today? Because they knew how to operate in the time, the space of Yahweh. They knew that these things, I don't have to hurry up and make this thing happen. I'm simply going to release the word, and I'm going to believe that it's in Yahweh's time, it's in His space, and it's going to fulfill its moment. And what that did was, let me tell you what that did, and then we're going to get to this. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and get ahead of myself. What that did was cause Isaiah to have everlasting life. Do you think Isaiah died? He's still changing you. What that did when David began to speak, you think David died? Yeah, he died. I read about it. You read about dead flesh. You read about dead man's time. Father said, for God so loved, Christ said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life isn't about, see, in our mind, everlasting life is about what's coming next. But if we wait until what comes next, we'll never see next. I'm living an everlasting life right now. I'm just going to blow your mind a little bit. We're going to get there. This is Olam. I'm talking about Olam. So what I'm doing is creating some questions for you to ask at the end. And I'm sure there are some. But I'm living everlasting life right now. Again, Isaiah, everlasting life right now. Somebody said, well, no, he died. David died. All these prophets died. These prophets of old died. Go through just any of them. Pick out any of them. They're all dead. No, they're not dead. Are you still talking about them? Do you know why? Because they had the concept of God's space, not man's time. They understood it doesn't have to be fulfilled while I'm breathing air. It might be fulfilled while I'm breathing only spirit. But either way, it'll be fulfilled. (laughs) 
I hope you're getting what I'm saying. So let's read about it. Isaiah 46, chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 46, verse 8. Let's go through a few scriptures here, and let's talk about it, and then I'm going to open this thing up for questions. Isaiah 46, verse 8, uh, beginning there, it reads like this. It says, remember this and stand firm. Everybody say, remember this and stand, stand firm. I love that. I put that in bold print on my, in my notes here because I, I love statements like that when the Father speaks and he says, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to stand up. I want you to put your head back, your chest out, and I want you to turn your attention to me. Stop thinking about your dinner at 1 o'clock. Stop thinking about all the responsibilities you've got this afternoon. Stop thinking about how long the preacher's been teaching. What I want you to do, I want you to remember this, and I want you to stand for I'm about to tell you something. And I need you to lay hold of what I'm about to tell you. I need you to get what I'm about to tell you. He says, and I want you to recall it to mind. Your transgressors, you, you transgressors, he says. You, uh, I'm going to come back to that. You transgressors, remember the former things of old, for I'm God. And there's no other. I am God and there's none like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Wow. Saying, my counsel will always stand and I will always accomplish all of my purpose. Now let me back up a little bit. Let me read this and I'm going to insert something else into some brackets here that you can insert. In verse 8, it says, remember this, what I'm about to tell you, and then I want you to stand firm. Everybody say this with me. Say, remember this and stand firm. I'm telling you, there's people in this room, probably everybody in this room right now, we need to take it. We need a new position. We need to get out of our seat, and we need to take a position where we're standing firm. Say, I will not be, I'm, I'm listening to the voice of God, and I will not be moved. I will not be turning this way. I will not be turning that way. I'm not looking that way. I am, I am, whatever he's spoken to me, I'm standing in that. My feet are planted. I'm rooted. He said, remember this and stand firm. Recall this to mind. He said, you transgressors. What's a transgressor? We talked about it a moment ago. It's anyone who's not thinking like he does. Remember this and stand firm. You Recall it to mind, you transgressors, or you who are not thinking like me. When we stop thinking like Christ, we put space between us, or like the Father, we put space between us and Him. When we start thinking like Adam, we create a gap between us and the Father. But when we start thinking like Christ, we begin to close that gap. He doesn't see that as this little short time frame. He says, I want you to remember this. I want you to stand firm. Remember the former things of old. He said, stop putting things off. Stop acting like all those things are done. To you, it's old. See, I like that. He says, to you, it's old. To me, it's not. To me, it's right now. It's in my present. I love that because that means I'm not getting old. In the mind of Yahweh, I'm the same guy he breathed into 58 years ago. I like that. No matter how I feel. Yes. Well, remember the things of old. Why should you remember those? Because I'm God. <laughs> because I'm God, he says. Why do you want to remember? Because I'm God and what you call old, I call present. And there is no other. He said, I'm God. There is none like me. Nobody's like me. Nobody is close to me. I declare the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done. From the beginning of time, I've been talking about all the things that I wanted to happen that haven't happened yet. And you're a part of that. 
Oh, but we've passed through that time. No, in your mind, you've passed through that time, but it isn't complete. Because in your mind, you've passed through it, but in my mind, you're still in it. He said, my counsel will stand, and I'm going to accomplish all of my purpose. You need to listen to what I just said. He said, my purpose, my promise, it will stand. I will accomplish all of my purpose. If he put it in you, no matter how far away from you you think it is, I want you to know it's still right in Yahweh's present. It is still, you need to hear it this way. No matter how far away you think it is in the mind of God, it is still right now. Mm. No matter how far back, how far away, how impossible it seems to you, it's still His right now. And He wants His right now to be your right now. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, we talked about this a moment ago, that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But have everlasting life. As I said it a moment ago in our mind, again, if I reiterate, and I'll do this very quickly, but if I reiterate, if I, if I go back and, and review again what I said earlier, Isaiah's not dead. If we measure death, if we measure timeline by man's timeline, then his flesh no longer exists. But everything Isaiah spoke and did is still very alive today. Everlasting life is present in every word that he spoke. My hope and prayer is that some of the things that I've preached, I hope everything. Well, some of it I hope it's never repeated, but most everything I've preached... I hope that a thousand years from now, someone's referring back to what Steve Parker said. That man was a man of God, and this is what he said, and it changed lives, and it's still changing us today. He spoke some things that did not occur while he was breathing air, but they're still occurring while he's breathing spirit. He has everlasting life. Mm -hmm. And everlasting isn't about, again, what's ahead got to get this. Everlasting isn't just about what's in front of me, everything in front of me from this point. Everlasting is everything before and everything after. It's infinity before and infinity after. That means if he sent his son to die for me so that I could, and if I would receive him, I could have everlasting life. That means I could draw out of everything in his space that he purposed for me because he said all of his purpose would be fulfilled. So if he put that in me, I can draw out of that space and there is nothing left undone. And John chapter 4 verse 24 reads like this says, or John chapter 5 verse 24, truly, truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That just really messes people up because when you preach this and teach this, and you don't hear a lot of people that will focus on this thing because they can't wrap their mind around those Two words, has, no matter what version you're reading in, it's present tense. It's present tense. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life right now. Let me just stare at you for a second while you let that sink in. Now, see, if we sit there and we try to run this through our natural mind, what we're going to say is, well, you know, that's good for the sweet, sweet by and by. Well, you can wait for yours, but I'm going to enjoy mine now. Well, I'm just waiting on Jesus to come riding in on a white horse. Mm. He came to me in a 1972 Olds Cutler Supreme. It's true. On July the 8th, 1985. 
And when he came to me on that day, I began to have eternal life. And I began to express eternal life. I began to redeem. He began to use me. He began to allow me to redeem things that had been lost. In the eternity before, I received him. Eternal life began to fill me. And I began to redeem things that had been lost, things that had been forfeited, things that I'd given up on. I'm telling you today, but it was choices that I had to make. There were decisions that I had to make. I had to determine things are going to change about Steve Parker. Because I'm going to be a Steve Parker who enjoys, who walks in, who has, doesn't get later, but has now eternal life. That's a hard one for people to wrap their mind around. He said, he does not come into judgment. Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word. Is anybody in here hearing God's word? Five of you. The rest of y'all can wait. Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him, present tense, believes him who sent me, has right now eternal life. See, what he's trying to do is help us to understand life isn't about time. Life isn't about time. Life isn't about the way we see things. Remember, time was judgment. Why would Christ redeem us to continue to exist in judgment? Before sin, there was no time limit, quote unquote. Time was born when the fruit was eaten. I'm just trying to help people understand. Because if I can help you understand this, and if you can get what I'm telling you today, there's a reason. I want to recapsule, gather together again what we've talked about so that you can get it and you can see yourself very differently. Stop looking at yourself like, in my case, Steve Parker. How many years do I have left? Mm, What can I get done in those years? (laughs) If I do that, I've stopped hearing his word. I've stopped believing him because I'm believing that what I'm doing today is timeless. I'm believing that if I hear his word and I do what he tells me to do, it will be timeless. It will be timeless in many ways. It will be timeless in the generations after me. It will be timeless because when this body is gone, it will still live in my children. It will still live in my children's children. It will live in my children's children's children. They'll be talking about it eons from now. But I have to see myself as timeless. I have to see myself as existing in a space, in the space of God. Not in the timeline of man. I have a limited number of days, so in those days I better get done all that I can do. In fact, I, I think uh, one of the incredible scriptures that Christ refers to in, in, the, uh, in the Gospels is when he refers to the rich man who stored up all these things in the barn. And he says, tonight your soul is going to be required of you, and then whose will those things be tomorrow? Because what you've done is you've lost sight of time. You think all this stuff is your time. You got all this in your timeline, but you have stored up nothing for eternity. You, have, you do not have eternal life. You have decided to live in a finite timeline. But he said, I created you to live in one that is infinite. And you need to see that every decision that you are making today will determine whether you have everlasting life or you do not. I think it's ironic when we think about people Today's my would be my father's 85th birthday. He passed away in 2013, but today would be his 85th birthday. And when I think about him, I still today he's so much alive in me today when I even this morning as I was sitting at the table and I was looking at a couple 
just a couple pictures that I had. And as I was looking at those, it makes me emotional. I didn't break down in tears or do any of that, but I could have very easily. Because he's still so alive in me. And yet his body, I can't look at him. He's gone. The body. But he set something up. He knew how to operate in the space of God. And he knew how to lay something, insert things in me that would last eternally. Got to get it. And Jesus said, he does not come into judgment, the one that hears, the one that listens. He passes in, he has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death to life. What is death? Death is not when you stop breathing. Death is when you stop believing. Death has nothing to do with breathing. If we, do, if we want to measure these things by the mind of man, then yeah, we'll measure it that way. But death has nothing to do with breathing. In fact, let's go back to Adam. What did the enemy say? What did the serpent say to Adam? First of, all, first of all, Yahweh said to Adam, if you eat of this fruit, you're going to die. And then what did the serpent say? Surely you will not die. See, the serpent had revelation of what the father meant by death. What the father meant was, you eat that fruit, that, you're telling me you don't believe me anymore. That's death. has nothing to do with you're going to stop breathing, Adam. Just has everything to do with you're going to be separated from me. Is there a deeper death than that? Christ sees everything, Yahweh sees everything in the present tense. In Romans 5, 8, and then I'm going to get into some questions. God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died. God shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So what does God see that we don't? That He let His Son die for us while we were yet sinners. You know what's interesting about this? Is he sent his son to die for us. You were not even born yet. But you were on your way. I hope I'm not confusing you. But he knows the end from the beginning as we read earlier. If he knows the end from the beginning, he sent his son. He said, and yet while he sent his son to die for us while we were still sinners and yet How was that true? We didn't even exist yet in this room. And yet we did. He knew what was coming. See, because what Christ, what Yahweh saw was this moment. Because it isn't about time to him. It isn't about a time frame. It isn't about this year, that year, A.D., B.C. It isn't about any of that. To the Father, it's just about this is the moment. You're in my space. And that's a good thing. And he said, so I sent my son to die for you while you were yet sinners. While you think, wow, he died 2,000 years ago. He just did it. It's happening right now. He's dying for you right now. Those of you that don't know me yet, he's dying for you right now. Because people are right now today. It happened in the, in the man's timeline a couple thousand years ago. But in the eyes of God, in the mind of God, he's, he's dying right now. Because every time someone comes to him, they see death. They see that he died for them. When that, the moment that revelation comes to him, that's a right now moment. It's not a moment about, it's not about history. Oh, I can't repent now. That happened, I missed my moment. That was 2,000 years ago. Oh, God, what am I going to do? No, it's happening right now. He's dying for you right now. You're in your moment right now. 
See, stop measuring. Stop looking backwards and saying, oh, that happened so long ago. I missed my timeline. I missed my moment. I missed that door. I missed that window. You didn't miss the window. You repent right now, and that death is alive in you right now. It's as fresh right now as it was on that timeline because you're in my present. So he showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, what he says about that is the father says, listen, I love you so much that what I'm going to do is I'm going to erase the timeline. And, and keep in mind, keep in mind, this is important. I said it a moment ago, this is important, that we get our mind a- away from uh, operating and functioning in every single way based on sin nature. What do I mean by that? The moment Adam sinned and Eve, the moment that they sinned, the moment that they separated themselves from God, the moment that they ate that fruit, the moment that they stopped believing... Yahweh didn't mean, again, that they were going to stop breathing. If you eat that fruit, you're going to stop believing. So suddenly, you're going to see nakedness, and you're going to believe that you're unclothed. I didn't mean unclothed. I meant you were vulnerable. So the moment they ate that fruit, they stopped believing at that moment. And our mind functions from that perspective. If we do not allow Holy Spirit to renew our mind with the mind of Christ. Because I can tell you the mind of Christ. Christ never said to the Father. I promise you he never said to the Father. Oh, I don't want to go down there and live for 33 years and then die. Oh, I only get 33 years? Everybody else gets like 72 if they're a woman and 69 if they're a man. You know, that's the average lifespan somewhere around there. I'm close. Everybody else gets that amount of time. What? You're going to send me down there and you're going to give me 33 years? You're shorting me. I know. I don't don't receive. Right. That's why I'm preaching this message. The older I get, the more I'm going to preach this. Well, you, 33 years, that's all you're going to give me is 33 years? You know why it didn't bother him? 33 years. Hey, doesn't matter. You can give me three days. Not going to change anything because I'm timeless. I got the mind of my father. And my father is, hey, there's nothing he's going to give me that I can't do in whatever amount of time I've got measured by man. So he's like, if you give it to me and you give me three days, I'll get it done in three days. You give it to me and you give me 33 years, I'll get it done in 33 years. Give me three seconds. Watch what I can do. That's what I should have titled this message. Give me three seconds and watch what I can do. Stumble over that. But in our mind, what we, what we can't comprehend, what's hard for us to comprehend is before they ate that fruit, there was nothing to measure time by. Now, let me say this. If it is true, I believe it's true, it's in Scripture, it's in the Gospels, that Christ came as the second Adam. Is that true? Can we agree on that? He was sent to fulfill what the first Adam failed at. First Adam could not be a true son. Yet Christ could. He could have been, actually. He could have been. He chose not to be. But before he sinned, there was no time frame. It was. He would be forever. We would still walk up to Adam and say, yo, Adam, what's up? He would have, if he'd been alive for 6,000 years, he would have tattoos from his head to his toes. (laughs) For every generation. Oh, this one's for my 
this one's for my, imagine a millennia from now what I'll have. I'm just being silly, but point being, there was no time until sin, until lack of belief set in. So when Christ came, what did he do? He came as a second Adam to redeem us. Back to our original intent, our original purpose, our original relationship in the Father. If he came to redeem us back into our original, that's hard to say, original relationship with the Father, if that's what he came to redeem us at, why would he say, I'm going to give you everything except for my space? That's why he encourages us. What you need to do is you need to renew your mind. You need to retrain your mind to think differently about time. Stop giving up on things that has been yours all along. Stop acting like what's, what you see prophetically in front of you is impossible because something back here didn't happen. He said, my space, it's already done. If it's in you, it didn't, you didn't stumble upon it. If it honors me, I put it there. Oh, but you don't understand. No, he does. He does understand. He's just waiting on us, you and me. To get the revelation. So what, God, what does God see that we don't? What does he see that we don't? I'll tell you what I see that we don't. I, I said to the team this morning, I, I think frequently, I think often about this, and then I'm going to open this up. So do we have a live mic somewhere? We got a runner? Okay. So, and you can turn the lights up in just a second. So what do we, this thing, this befuddles me. See, when I got saved, when I came to the Lord in 1985, and I received Christ, I don't know. There was just something supernatural that happened in my life. Suddenly there was this desire to honor him in every possible way. If there was anything that even remotely I thought was in my life that dishonored him, I didn't have to trickle out of it. I didn't wade out of those places. I was done. I stopped smoking. I stopped cussing. I stopped doing things right off the bat that I felt like dishonored this temple. And I didn't even understand what all of that meant. I just knew that in me there was a knowing. This does not honor him. And this does not honor him. And these places do not honor him. I'm not going to these places anymore. I'm not going to do these things anymore. And all of these things were in me that were in me before I came to him. Suddenly, literally, I drove home on July the 8th. By the time I got home, I was already my whole life had been transformed and changed because I was seeing myself in a different space. And it baffles me sometimes when I sit and I think and I wonder and I, and I look at, at the world today and I look at the church today. I look, not this church, but just church as a whole. And I look at lives today because we are the church, individuals. This building is not the church. We are the church individually. And I look at churches today and I see people, and I see them walk in and out of this kingdom thing. They have revelation. They, they have claimed to believe, but have never entered into his space. They claim to have received him, but have not allowed their life to be changed, have never made the decisions and the choices to separate themselves from those things that separate them from a relationship with him. I mean, I see it. I, I see people that, you know, I, I believe in God. I want to honor God. I want to serve God. And yet they're destroying the temple with what they're eating, they're drinking, they're taking in, they're listening to, they're watching, they're observing, they're being a participant in. I don't understand that. Can I just be real? I don't understand that. Because in the space of time, and there's no judgment here. There's no judgment. I'm hoping it's revelation. 
I hope it's revelation. I hope that it's waking people up, and I hope people are saying, you know what, this is important. The kingdom of God isn't something that we pass through. It isn't something that we do a good thing for on Sunday morning. The kingdom of God isn't the moment when we arrive at church at 10 o'clock, and then when we leave at noon, we just go back and live a a life of hell. The kingdom of God is my life. It is the way he intended me to live it. It's the way he intended me to honor it. I'm telling you, there's people in this room. There's people watching online. There's people listening to me right now. There's some things that really there needs to be some repentance for. I need to say, Father, forgive me. Somehow I've I've allowed myself to become complacent in some things, and these things do not honor you. And I want to return to you so that I operate in your space. I want to be a witness, and I want to be a testimony. I don't want to look like everybody else. If I'm doing it and it doesn't honor you, forgive me. If I'm living in it and it doesn't honor you, forgive me. And then let me make changes to that. Help me make the changes again, as I say to you, on that night, Monday night in 1985, when when I received Christ, I didn't receive Him because I thought it was a good idea. I received Him because everything in me said, this is the moment, this is the time, and I didn't even get it all, but I was feeling things inside of me that were overwhelming. There There was emotion attached with me that day. He got a hold of my soul. That's where emotion is, in the soul. And he got a hold of my soul. And he began to manipulate that and turn that and twist that and change that and cause me to hunger and thirst after the things of him. He said, Steve, I want to change how you see what you do and how important it is that you be a son in whom I can say I'm well pleased. Those aren't the exact words he said, but those are the things that I heard. And I got in my Gran Torino. And I drove home. And I went to family. And I went to friends. And I began to tell them, I'm not going there anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. Well, that's dumb. You got saved. I wish you wouldn't have got saved. But I did. But I did. And I'm not apologizing because I love God. And because I believe God. I did get saved. And I am a son. And I am righteous. And go do what you want to do. Well, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to honor him in my rising up, and I'm going to honor him in my lying down. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to live. I have now, not later. Everlasting life isn't coming to me. Everlasting life has come upon me. And that's how I'm going to live my life. There's people in this room right now, especially that middle generation. I'm telling you today, man, they, they justify this and they justify that and they, they push this aside and make this unimportant. There's husbands and wives in here right now. There's sons and daughters in here right now. There's, there's kids in here right now. You're trying to sort it all out and you're just like, oh, that's mom and dad's gospel. That's this person's gospel. That's their gospel. I'm going to tell you, you make it your gospel. It'll change everything about who you are. Because a father made it your gospel. How important is this Olam thing? Let me tell you how important it is. It's important because everlasting life was accounted to you. And every day that we're not in everlasting life, we're dying. Every day that I do not see that this man is everlasting to everlasting because I'm in God. And God is in me, as we sang about this morning. If I see myself as any other way, I'm missing the mark. So I encourage you today. I'm calling out. To every generation, to every age group, to every man, to every woman, to every boy and every girl, I'm calling out to you today.
And I'm charging you with this. Know who you are. Know who you are. Close the gap between you and the Father. Close the gap between you and what He wants to do with you. Close that gap today. What does that mean? You're probably going to have to change some things. But you know what? Change it. Father, help me today to remember what I was made for. Remember what you created me to be and who and what you created me to do. Help me today to separate myself from that. I've been doing this a long time. You don't know how hard it's going to be. You hadn't done it longer than I did what I did. But I'm telling you, when my hunger to live is greater than my hunger to die, I will make whatever choices are necessary to make sure that I'm alive. And I can tell you today, Yahweh wants you living, not dying. Every day should not be a death. It should not be a step away. It should be a step into. Amen.